we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we're going to do something a little different. It's been a while since we've done this, uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on. We finally got back to a convention. And because of that, we're bringing you some really spectacular interviews that we picked up while at the convention. Now, please bear in mind that they might sound a little bit muffled, and that's because the convention required all attendees to wear masks at all time unless you were drinking or eating. Otherwise, you had to keep the mask on. So it's going to sound a little muffled, so we do apologize about that. It's nothing to do with your audio settings. It's completely to do with the fact that we're talking through masks. And I just wanted you to be aware of that. We have a great lineup of interviews. We've got author Dan Wells, Brian D. Anderson, Caitlin Sanger, and Johnny Worthen on this episode. So tune in, find out about what they've been up to, and what books they have out currently. All right, everyone, welcome. We are here at FanX with author Dan Wells. He's been on the show many times before. If you don't know who he is, he's written I'm Not a Serial Killer, that series, Zero G, Dragon Planet, and many other amazing stuff like blue screen even. I even forgot about that for a second. Yeah, so did everybody else. <laughs> oh, so sad. It was a great series. Thank you. Uh, it was super fun, you know. Uh, cyberpunk. How can you not go wrong with that? Well, the way you go wrong with cyberpunk is that nobody reads it. Nobody reads it at um, all. It's, it's still niche, and I keep waiting for it to take off, and it hasn't yet. But you know uh, what? I'm going to keep writing it because okay. I don't care. Nice. So what, what is on the horizon for Dan Wells? Because you have an amazing plethora of books. Well, the uh, upcoming stuff... Well, first let me talk about the, the book that was published last year. Okay. Uh, which is this one, Ghost Station. Go, okay. It is Audible only. I should have a print version in a couple of months. Um, published by this handsome gentleman. It's in my inbox? Nice. Okay, so Ghost Station is historical fiction. Nice. No... Monsters, robots, it's not fantasy, science fiction, horror, anything. It's just straight up uh, historical Cold War spy novel. Uh, because I thought that sounded awesome. That sounds amazing. And so everyone go read that. And uh, it's awesome. So what's coming up soon, I am working on this huge multimedia collaboration project with Brandon Sanderson called Dark One. And uh, you may have seen last year they put out a graphic novel. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a lot of talk of TV series and other things. Nothing's confirmed yet. But what is confirmed is that I'm writing the novelization. Okay. And I have already written the prequel, which we're doing rather than just do a straight normal like novella prequel. Mm -hmm. We're doing it as a six-episode mockumentary podcast. Nice. So... Uh, one of the main plot threads of the Dark One novel and the graphic novel is there's a like an evil sorcerer from a, a fantasy world that has come into our world and he's been arrested and they're, he's on trial as a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize he's actually like magic. And so the prequel is the uh, kind of in the style of the podcast Serial, all these true crime podcasts yeah. that everyone loves. We're doing one of those that tells the story of how he was caught originally. Okay. And that's already finished. Brandon is doing his pass on it right now. Uh, and I don't know when that'll be out. I hope it'll be out pretty soon. Their plan was to bring it out this year, but nice. we'll have to see. So so how is this going down? Because, you know, there's kind of been this brotherly rivalry between you and Brandon, and now you're <laughs> collaborating 
on something together. Yeah, well, we actually started a collaboration a year or two ago when uh, I did a huge revision on his novel, The uh -huh. Apocalypse Guard. Yeah. And that still isn't out yet. I mean, we're, we're hoping 2023 for okay. Apocalypse Guard. We'll see what happens with that one. Uh, basically, the Skyward series kind of delayed that one significantly. Yeah. Nice. Um, but, you know, he and I have been friends forever. Yes. And we've always wanted to co-write. And so now we are. Awesome. Hooray. Yeah, and, and you're doing a podcast together now. Yes, intentionally from... blank. Okay. It's an hour-long podcast that's just Brandon and I trying to make each other laugh. Which is awesome. Yeah. So so how well is that going? Who's winning? Are, are you winning? Who's winning? Is he winning? Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> who, who's making the other person laugh more? Uh, well, I got the biggest laugh uh, of all time out of him that I've ever gotten. Wow. Uh, in an upcoming episode, and I don't want to give it away. That's okay. Um, There's enough there. But... Uh, it, 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 it is gentle teasing. <laughs> gentle teasing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, overall, I think we have to say he's winning, right? Because he's, he's like a multi-jillionaire. No, we don't have to say he's winning. <laughs> you could be winning. I'm winning because I get to make awesome art. Yes, and have the cool hat. Yes. Yes. He's got a jacket. You've got a hat. He's got the little sports coat. Yeah. I've got the hat. Yes. Together we fight crime. You do fight crime. So let's throw out a few questions uh, just because we've got, got covered the, the books and that. So what are what, what's a really good tip for someone that's inspiring to be an author? Okay. I actually have uh, a number of tips. And the first one that I give to everybody is, number one, go listen to Writing Excuses. All right. There's that one. is the podcast that I do that is with Brandon, with Howard Taylor, and with Mary Robinette Kowal. And a bunch of other co-hosts that we bring in. Yes. They, uh, it is specifically intended for aspiring authors. We've been doing it for 13 years. And frankly, there is nothing I can say here that I haven't already said Sounds more there. intelligently on that show. Sounds so good. go listen to that show. Uh, but the other bit of advice that I do want to give here is, dear aspiring writer, allow yourself to write a bad book. Okay? okay. You have been reading forever for years and years and years probably decades you're very good at reading yes and so when you read your own writing you notice how bad it is because you're not very good at writing you just started yeah um you are a level whatever reader and maybe a level two or three writer and you got to give yourself some credit and cut yourself some slack mm -hmm. write a bad book don't insist that it be perfect don't revise it endlessly write it finish it move on write another one awesome uh, for me, it took six books before I finally had one that was good enough to sell. Uh, for Brandon, it was the same six books. Um, it's that's just how it goes. Yeah. You got to put in the work, and uh, you know, allow your give yourself the freedom to fail, and you're going to learn so much from it. Nice. All right, there it is. You can fail. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to happen. There will eventually be a bad book or a good book. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, there's going to be a lot of bad books. Yes. <laughs> but eventually you'll write a good one. Yes. That's how it works. Nice. So besides writing, what are things that you do to disconnect? Because it, everyone has to have something. You know, Brandon's notorious for Magic the Gathering. What is yours? Um, I am a gamer as well. Okay. I actually own just shy of 500 board games. Uh, but my, my real passion is role-playing games. And in fact, I am, and I don't know if we've talked about this, 
I'm a professional game master now. Nice. I started this uh, in 2020 in the pandemic because I'm like, why not? This why let's let's give this a shot. Uh, and so I run games for people. You can hire me to run a one shot or a campaign in pretty much any system that you want. Um, right now I have six ongoing games. Actually, it's only five because uh, one of them just had to end. It was a bunch of 12 year olds and they just all started Being junior high. Old. And so <laughs> their schedules filled up and I really miss that one and I love it. Uh, but most of my games are adults. And uh, if you would like to play D&D or Blades in the Dark or Pendragon or any game that you can think of, I will run it for you. Awesome. All right, so where can they find you to, for your books or even your games? My website is thedanwells.com. T-H-E danwells.com. And uh, that is the best place to contact me. Uh, if you want to hire me for games, if you want to learn about my books, everything's on that website. And if you do Google search him and you find some amazingly stunning model, you're on the wrong page. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the other Dan Wells. We don't talk about him. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again for your time. It's hey, always thank a you. pleasure. Uh, folks, go pick up, uh, pick up his books. They're great. Even the Blue Screen series. It's amazing. Especially the Blue Screen series. I know Blue it's the Mirador series. No novel series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though, yeah. It's always, I just remember Blue Screen. Yeah. It's still a great series, even though apparently people aren't buying it, but it's worth it. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, I'm not a serial killer. So Yeah. Which uh, we're sold out of. Oh, even better. So, folks, with that said, we'll catch you next time. Okay, bye. All right, everyone, welcome. We're here at FenX with author Brian D. Anderson. This guy has written probably more books than I have seen in a while. And you're an indie author, but have also gone traditional recently. That's correct. I was a, um, I was one of the OG indies back in the nice. 2010, 2012 explosion yeah. uh started out with the godling chronicles that did real well for me then moved on to dragon vein that uh got some re great recognition and um but over the years i've gotten you know the the pace that i had to keep up to be relevant yeah. as an indie you got it started getting a lot for me so um i discussed it with my agent and we decided to uh move over into traditional so we shopped a um, book around Got picked up by Tor for a three-book deal with them. Nice. I just finished up the uh, third book. The series is called uh, The Sorcerer's Song. Nice. First book, The Bard's Blade, A Chorus of Fire, and The Sword's Elegy is coming out next year. I'm not sure exactly when, but nice. it's written and finished. So clearly you love fantasy. You love dragons, which I love. I'm a huge dragon fan. I write dragons myself. What is it about dragons and fantasy that really attract you? You know, I just think it's the mystery of them and everything that you can do with a dragon, everything a dragon can be. Yeah. You know, it can be just a mindless beast that, uh, that's, uh, um, you know, representative of destruction and chaos, or it can be a noble animal. It can be any uh, part of our better selves or mm -hmm. our worst selves that we want it to be. And they look cool as shit. Oh, yeah. No, that, there's <laughs> nothing. No doubt about that. Dragons just look amazing. Whether they're Eastern dragons or European type dragons, uh, they're just amazing. Awesome. I, I awesome. love them. Awesome uh, Tiferous. Yeah, so, so 
tell us a little bit about your Dragon Vein series you have. Okay, here. Dragon Vein series. Uh, book one was actually in 2015, mm -hmm. a top five finalist for Fantasy Book of the Year on Audible. Nice. So I was really, really uh, pleased with that. Jim Butcher won that year, but I'm confident I was in second place. I mean, you know, if you're going to lose to anyone, Jim Butcher's the person to lose to. The, the, the truth of that is the uh, Terry Pratchett, N.K. Jemison, and Larry Correa were the other uh, writers. Dude, I, I was like, I won in my mind. Yeah, I won that's a total just, win. Just, just to being be in the man. company yeah. of those writers and to be considered, you know, um, you know, among them, it was. It, I was over. I was over the moon with that. And, no, no, I totally um, understand. Uh, this is actually a sci-fantasy series, though. Okay. It, it um, starts out in World War II uh, during the Battle of Carentan, the German counterattack. Right. Uh, the main character, Ethan Martin, during the course of the battle, ends up portaled back to his birth world of Lumnia, hmm. and where the Emperor Shinzon is consuming the energy of the world that creates magic and, by extension, life. And um, so there's that's you know, the fantasy elements with the magic and the dragons, you have all that. But you also have, um, of course, portal magic. There's some time travel. Um, the dwarves aren't what you think they are. Neither is the emperor. Nice. So um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, every time I mention in an interview sci-fantasy, I have to mention Anne McCaffrey because if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have written this. Yeah. Nice. I, I like the fact that you gave a different twist to dwarves. You know, uh, some of the, my favorite books are where dwarves are kind of twisted and used a different way. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Ari Salvatore's They're actually Corona vegetarians series. in this one. Nice. <laughs> like, he has bloody cap dwarves where, you know, after they kill, they soak their hats in their blood and soak it up. So I like the different twist than the standard Tolkien-type dwarves. Well, they, um, I mean, in uh, Dragon Vein, they do live in the mountains. Mm -hmm. But the, the, later on, you find out why. And okay. It's not because they, uh, well, at the, the stage that you meet the dwarves, they like living in the mountains. Okay. But they have dreams of actually being back on the surface where they were, because they were basically driven underground okay. by the emperor. So, um, and they, uh, like I said, they're vegetarians. Nice. There's the uh, the elves. That, uh, there's elves in this one, uh, but they are not. They are the meat eaters. Interesting. Uh, so I sort of flip that on his head. That's awesome. You know, um, humans in this uh, have a history in Lumnia that um, that is completely unexpected um, and counter to what anybody might think as they as as they're reading along until the reveal happens. Mm -hmm. The um, emperor, uh, when you sort of get his backstory a little bit in the later books, yeah. Um, I sort of kind of give an explanation of why he's so evil. He's just not like a, uh, well, way people pictured Sauron as just evil for evil's yeah. sake, even though once you read the mythology that Tolkien put out, you realize that's not the case. Yeah. But uh, the initial impression that a lot of people get. Yeah. I give that same initial impression about um, the emperor, but when you learn the backstory, it sort of makes sense why he's like that. Yeah. And the ending, I tried to make um, surprising. You know, I wanted it to be both satisfying and shocking at yeah, the same time. Nice. So. Awesome. All right, so the, the tour series. We've got two books out now. Mm -hmm. um, what's kind of a, what's the general story well, there? Well, the, uh, the Sorcerer's Song, book one of the Barge Blade, opens up in a uh, sort of Shire-esque um, ideal little world where nothing all that bad happens. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they revile magic, but they live real simple lives. Yeah. And it's protected by a barrier that if you cross it, you can never find home again. Oh. So... Somebody does make it through, and it kills them through the effort. But before they die, the uh, they leave a prophetic warning that there's a, a ancient evil returning, returning with, uh, in a, a disaster. Yeah. You know, a, a warning of impending doom. 
this goes entirely misinterpreted and misunderstood by one of the main characters, Lem, who's a musician. And you know, um, he ends up leaving his home and crossing the barrier, uh, thinking he's going to protect his uh, friends, family, mm -hmm. and yeah. um, all that. So uh, Mariah, whose family makes wine, his fiance and his uncle Shimmy, uh, when they f figure out that he's gone, chase after him. So now okay. the outer outside world, Lemuria, is um, uh, this brutal, savage, unforgiving world with magic and religious zealotry. People like will kill you for being a heretic, assassins and con men, and they're com completely, with their life experience, unprepared for this. Yeah, and um, they're and they're on different paths and having different experiences within this unforgiving world. Okay, so. And the, it's a it's a character driven adventure where like what do they have to give up just to survive? What do they what what, what aren't they willing to compromise? You know, yeah. and um, if they ever see one another again, are they going to be the same people? And there's not the inconsiderable fact that there is an impending doom coming. Nice. So it's a lot of fun. Sounds uh, like the it. book the third book is in editing right now, so you're not going to have to wait a gajillion years just yeah. to see how it, how it all. Hands Great. Out. It's always best when I don't have to wait 10 years for the next book to come out. <laughs> um, now, let's kind of circle back. Since you, you've been an indie author for so long, uh -huh. um, what's what's a good point of advice or tip that you could give someone that is thinking, hey, maybe I want to go the indie route? Well, you know, indie's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, they should know that being successful, um, when I say successful, I mean um, monetarily, financially successful. Okay. Um, uh, as an indie, you're, it's no, no, you're no more likely to find success in indie as you are in traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. um, the road to success and failure is, uh, is shorter and quicker, but it's not any easier. Okay. So if you look at the, uh, the novelists in the world, which um, last I heard is roughly 15,000, who are making a living strictly through their books, mm -hmm. um, about half of them are indie, half of them are traditional. Okay. So. If you're getting into uh, in indie, make sure you're the type of writer where indie fits you, because it's also you have to be the business person. You yeah. have to be, you have to wear all the hats that a traditional publisher would normally wear. Not everybody's cut out for that. Yeah. And if you're not, all you're going to do is you're going to find a long and frustrating and disappointing road uh, down when if you choose indie. Traditional may be better suited. Now, when I say traditional, though, I'm not talking about you don't have to go with a big. We used to be six. Now I think we're down to four. Big. Uh, publishers, you don't yeah. have to go with where I'm at with Tor or, or um, Saga or Orbit. There's a lot of um, smaller and um, mid-sized publishers that that may be more suited to, to an individual writer. But that's part of the discovery. You know, yeah. you, you discover what what best fits you. And so before you dive off into any, there's a lot of questions you should ask yourself. Regardless. I like that. Nice. So where can our listeners find you? Are you on social media? Do you have a website? Absolutely. You can find me at um, authorbriandanderson.com, authorbriandanderson at blogs, uh, uh, slash blogspot. Um, I'm on Facebook. Just uh, Or you can just Google Brian D. Anderson, and you'll find me all over the place. Nice. All right. Well, folks, these are all, I'm. I, I'm hooked. These are, sound like awesome series. You know, I, I love the fantasy sci-fi twist there. Um, I like the fact that you know, once they leave home, they can't go back. Yeah. And and are they going to be the same people at the end of this journey? Which should be 
the point of any story. Yes, exactly. By the time you get to the end, no one's the same as when they started. Precisely. I mean, even Luke Skywalker was a completely different person by the end of Return of the Jedi. Gotta love Luke Skywalker. Yes. So. Last episode of Mandalorian, rock on. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that scene. So amazing. So, folks, check out uh, Brian's books. They're, they, I mean, The covers look stunning. Just the premise that you've discussed is amazing. So go, go pick up a copy, and we're going to catch you next time, guys. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, welcome. We're here with Caitlin Sangster. Mm-hmm. Hey, I did it right. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, the way she told me to say it is, you know, it's like gangster, but with an S. So that's what you say it. That's the easiest way to remember. So tell us a little bit about your novels. Because you've got two novels right now, correct? I have a series and then a new novel that's just coming okay, out on so Tuesday. Okay, so a whole series. So let's talk about the series and we'll talk about the new novel next. Sure. Okay, so my first series, it starts with Last Star Burning. Okay. And it is set in a post-apocalyptic China. Okay. And um, a very scary biological weapon has been deployed in China that causes people to kind of go crazy. Okay. So sometimes they're in the right minds and sometimes they're not. Um, the main character is in a safe haven where nobody has this disease. They have medicine to treat uh-huh. the effects. But then she's accused of a crime she didn't commit and has to escape out into the outside world where people are sick. Right. And she has to go figure out what happened and how she so, can help. So when was this series released? I have to ask now. So the first one was released in 2017, and the last one was released in December 2019. Okay. So, you know, I feel like I should so get do credit. You a, do you have a time scrolling device? Because literally, that almost sounds like last year. I know. I feel like I should get credit for, yes. like, starting the pandemic oh, or... I, I wouldn't take credit for... Being clairvoyant. For I don't no, know. For starting it, but for... Knowing this, it's yeah. like it's, you're you're describing this, Mike. That it sounded like familiar. last year, yeah. This pandemic, except and everyone went crazy. So <laughs> it's like perfect. Well, slightly, it's actually based on a real illness. Okay. That's called um, sleepy sickness. Okay. That followed the um, the Spanish flu okay. epidemic. So people who got it's like a, an immune system overload. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we actually saw something similar to it. Yeah. It's the YAFI like much worse version version, but yeah. like. It's just a little bit scary. <laughs> no, it, it is. I mean, you know, that was their pandemic in the early 1900s. Yep. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's really cool. You took that, and it's just unfortunate that I we know. experienced the same thing, at, you know, almost a year later. Yeah. So we go from that, and then you have the next book that's just come out, mm-hmm. which is I'm excited about because it's a heist. Story. Yes. It is a fantasy heist. So it is set in, like, a uh, fantasy Venice inspired place with like islands and boats and people yeah. who are part of the seedy underworld crime people. There's a girl who has spent her whole life trying to find the man who killed her brother and she ends up going after this cursed sword in the bottom of a shapeshifter tomb. Only there are three other characters who are also trying to steal it. Okay. So does she have like, so is, is she just, it's just her or does she have like a, a group of other companions that are helping her in this heist? Yes, this is an ensemble book. So okay. it's her, and then she has her little accomplice, Knox, nice. who also, there are four main characters in this book, four okay. POVs, and each one has their own story arc okay. and their own motivation and stakes. Her friend, Knox, is actually just trying to leave the country because he's being hunted by the warlord, okay. but he's helping her to earn enough money to bribe his way out of the country. Um, and then there's Leo, one of his best friends, who accidentally ends up being a part of this heist group. Yeah. And then there's Matteo, who is actually an archaeologist who is digging for this sword and is uh, like directly opposed to them. So. Nice. 
So did you find it challenging having to write four different points of view in a single story? Absolutely, I did. Yeah? <laughs> okay. I mean, was, so, I mean, I guess my question is, is, is it sectioned off so each point of view is there, or are you rolling through it while the story is progressing? So, um, it switches between points of view every chapter. Every chapter, okay. Well, and sometimes even mid-chapter. If there's like a big climactic event happening, okay. then there's a page break, and then the next character's perspective. So uh -huh. you see characters who are like walking into a room right as the other one's walking out of the room, okay. or something's happening in one part of the city that's directly affecting another part yeah. of the city. So hopefully that causes a lot of tension. Yeah. A lot of the tension here is like, when are these characters, some of them gonna meet? Mm -hmm. Or uh, when are they going to accidentally come up, you know, start fighting with each other. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I feel like that would also be a challenge as you're writing because you, you're, you know, when you're writing a character, you're in that mindset. And then now you hit the brakes and have to swap. Mm -hmm. So, especially if it's a female character, a male character. Or, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming they're all humanoid. They're all uh, humans. Because we're, you know, <laughs> China, or not China, that's the other one. Man, I'm already getting mixed up. Look at that. <laughs> So if there are no aliens or no aliens. though there are shapeshifters in this book. Shapeshifters are awesome. Yes, but they are all human. And it was really fun to try and, and go between those different characters, uh -huh. but it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because they all have such different personalities okay. and different motivation and stakes. Yeah. So what got you into writing? What was the catalyst that said, man, this is what I want to do? You know, I've always loved writing. Okay. Ever since I was a kid, like I would I read a bunch of like the Alana the Lioness books when I was uh -huh. younger and then I would try and write my own version of them. So there's like all of these terrible knockoff Alana the Lioness books like hidden away somewhere in a file in my house. They're not terrible. Well, no, they were. They're, they're not terrible. They're just not ready for con human consumption. Well, they would be just like a direct <laughs> knockoff, too. Oh, a direct, complete direct <laughs> knockoff. You know, right. when you're like 12, okay, fair you're enough. like, I love this story so much. I just want to rewrite it almost word for word. But um, as I got older, like I never really considered it a career, like something I could do, uh -huh. because I'd never written anything that seemed good enough to be in a book. Yeah. But then um, my sister actually got a book deal. And I was like, oh, people do this. Like, this is something actual humans can accomplish. Can yeah. And so I started taking it seriously and ended up publishing my first book. So, nice. Yeah. So who are you published through? Simon & Schuster. Well, that's awesome. Congrats Thanks. to you. Uh, so what is something that you would, uh, you know, you've already written this. What is a future project? Something that, hey, if I could write this, it, it would be amazing. So um, I would really love to write a like Stranger Things but plus Ooh. ghost book set in my hometown because yeah. it's an old mining town okay. with these big um, old gold tunnels yeah. underneath that have filled with water and I just I've always thought that sounded like the creepiest thing ever so I want there to be ghosts and like weird creatures Man, that, set in this old gold rush town. That sounds like the perfect setting for Stranger Things. I know. Yeah. Who knows, maybe you have creepy crawly Cthulhu type creatures down there. <laughs> that would be and awesome. That would be even better. I don't know if Cthulhu would fit down, he'd have to be very long. Well, maybe not him, but like those creatures, yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. So, <laughs> that, that sounds amazing, honestly. Well, I hope I get to write it. <laughs> yes, one day, one day, that is the goal. Mm -hmm. So, another question I like to ask is, what is a writing tip? What's a bit of advice that you would like, that you could give someone that wants to start writing? Sure, I would say um, read a lot of books, okay. especially the kinds that you would like to write. Mm -hmm. Like learn from people who are really good at it. Yeah. And then I would say listen to as many like podcasts or YouTube things that give advice, but not just in general. You should do it while trying to um, 
edit your own work so that you're not overwhelmed by like all the stuff you should know how to do but yeah. don't know how to. But like if you take it in little bite-sized pieces where you're like, I could apply this principle to something I'm actively writing, then it'll like end up in your toolbox rather than just like something on a list of things you wish you could do better. Very nice. All right, where can the listeners find you? I am like right now. Well, obviously we're here at FanX, but let's. This is going to come out in afterwards. the future. Okay. But, like if they want to go to your social media or website, okay. something like that. I am on Instagram at Kate Sangster, C A I T S A N G S T R. It's also spelled like gangster with an S. So nice. And then I also my website is CaitlinSangster.com. Nice. Okay, folks, go pick up a copy because that's what I'm doing right now. As soon as I stop this recording, I'm picking up a copy of the Heist <laughs> book because it's amazing. It sounds fantastic. So go support Caitlin in her writing so she can write this really cool ghost town mining <laughs> story because I want to hear that too. So with that said, we're out of here. Alright, thank you. Alright everyone, we are here at FanX with the amazing tie-dye spectacular god of awesomeness, Johnny Worthen. He's been on the show before and I mean, there's a lot more books since we've last talked. I had a bit of time lately. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, Daniel. Yeah. Um, it was a uh, we, yeah, did you notice something happened like in 2020? Uh, I won't go into it. It was a weird yeah. thing that happened. I know, we right? We just all got stuck at home and yeah, had yeah. to find things to do other than going out around people. It's kind of hard. So this is good to be back with people. Yes. Masked and vaccinated and uh, crowded again, but it's things are getting back to normal of some kind. I don't know. Yes. Uh, anyway. So yeah, it's FanX now. It's good, good to be back. Uh, I've got new books. My uh, Tony Flanner series has grown by two since I was here last. Nice. With uh, it started with the Finger Trap, which won, you know, as you remember, the Book of the Year, which was an amazing book. Diamond Quilt. Then it, the the um, uh, what's it called <laughs> Thicker Than Water came out, and that takes place in Moab. And that's a wonderful love story nice. of murder and and sarcasm. And then this year, um, and then last year came out in the wake of Captain Lord, which is a great mystery that takes place aboard a an Alaska cruise ship. Okay. Um, and I just let Tony's wit and sarcasm and ob observations solve a terrible murder aboard board ship. And that went into Silver Quill this year awesome. as, an, as another great novel. And this year, just in June, I came out with The Counterfeit Connection, which, as you know, I write all my books from the inside out. I start with an idea, what's bugging me at the time. Yep. This one's called The Counterfeit Connection, and Tony, my character, has this imposter syndrome going where he's had some successes solving mysteries, but for some reason he doesn't think he deserves them. Yeah. So he's kind of all in on himself in a fetal position, and he has to work through these things. And that, like I say, that was just launched. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I love that. Uh, you know, as a writer, I'm sure all of us suffer from imposter syndrome from one point or another. I know. You'd think that would help to know that everybody else has it, but it no, doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, no it doesn't. No, no, no. no, I struggle with it all the time. And yeah. I even heard, like, Brandon Sanderson does. And it's like, what? I You're love Brandon it. Sanderson. See, I like hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> so I hear that. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm normal. I heard somebody say that when you get that and uh, with new, new successes mm -hmm. and it goes with you. And basically, it's leveling up to a new boss, right? Okay. So, you know. I got. I wrote a book. Yay! I don't, I'm not worth it. Oh, I got a publish. Yay! I'm not worth it. <laughs> or I got. You know, on a bestseller. Yay! I'm not worth it. You know, and it's just a new boss every time. So I, I think that's important though, because if you're not humble and you're not, and you don't realize how truly freaking fortunate you are to get anything done in any kind of speculative art. Yeah. You're crazy. I okay. mean, you got. You got to be a narcissistic creep not to realize that you're lucky. Yeah. Right. 
um, to have friends or you've worked too hard, you know, oh, God, God, they say, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. But that's not true. There's still so much luck in that. You, have, you could send Gone with the Wind to somebody and it's just having a bad day and they won't publish it because they didn't get their bagel that morning. Yeah. Right? So you got to be lucky and if, you got to go in that way. So I, I'm feel supremely lucky yeah. that I got my new science fiction picked up. Which is the perfect segue oh, to that. Oh, this is what I've done. <laughs> that was pretty clever that I did that. My new one is called of Kings, Queens, and Colonies. And as you know, I'm a multiple genre. I, I've debuted in horror. My young adult character study has done very well, yeah. uh, the Unseen series. Tony Flanner is what I'm working on lately. But I also wrote, during my darkest times, when I was feeling bad about society, I wrote of Kings, Queens, and Colonies, a trilogy, the epic science fiction trilogy that every geek who read Tolkien or Dune dreamed of writing one day. Nice. I wanted to write my epic. So I, I did. I wrote my epic. And this is a, it's, it's a, it's picked up by a company called Flame Tree Press with distribution through Simon & Schuster. So I get actually international distribution. Which is going to be awesome for you. I know. I don't deserve it, but I have it. Yep. And um, it's, it launches November 9th. I don't even have any to show you. And it's a story of new beginnings mm -hmm. and, and new, new, new choices at pivotal moments. It's, is a, it, is a, it echoes the 16th century political turmoil in Europe between Spain and England with the new world in the background as the, as the colonies start rolling. I, I read the story of the Roanoke colony of Virginia, actually yeah. North Carolina, and I love that story. It's so compelling and mysterious. Yeah. But let's face it, it has a crappy ending. It I, does. I can improve that. I'm a writer. So that's why I, I put it in the future, and I, I, I isolated this moment in, a, in human history as a pivotal moment of social change. Yeah. And so that is where we're coming through. So, so the motto, that it says, humanity gets another chance, but will anything be different? Mm -hmm. and, the other, and the tagline is, how big is your family? Yeah. So it's a compelling story that takes place about a couple thousand years from now. We're old Earth, us, we're now. It's desert, it's ruined. But we get a way to find this, we find this uh, planet called Coronam. Okay. And it was named before this terrible event happened. Yes. <laughs> so, and it's got all these planets in the Goldilocks zone. Uh, Goldilocks zone. The Goldilocks, Goldilocks, zone. Goldilocks zone. Yeah. So, hey, they're, they're habitable. So they go there. But while they're, while they're approaching it, this mean sun, Coronam, burns, EMPs them. So they all crash and have to basically start from the medieval times again. So wow. now we, we pick up the story where they've just managed to get space travel again, and the planets have all kind of evolved a little differently. Okay. And they're finally going to the last planet, Tirgwenin, or Jareth's world, and something's different. Something's not on. right there. I right? know, and it's so cool. It's got, it's got love affairs, and it's, and I, I got taken to task because I have some awesome, um, awesome editors, and since it's, it's an international release, yeah, um, I, I played kind of loosey goosey with the uh, kings and queens titles and things, yeah. right? Because you know, it's my world. I'm a writer. I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I can call them seraphim. I, I, I can call them cheese, and you must live with it. It's my story. But anyway, um, so they came back to me and said, "You're kind of messing up on some of the kings and queens and lords and ladies titles." I said, "Who's gonna know?" And she said, everybody will know in England. Yeah. Fix it. So I, I, I dodged one. And it changed names, but I was so lucky. Again, lucky yeah. that they gave me an editor in London who caught it. Because no American editor would have noticed the difference between Lord and Lady or Highness or Earl. Or Viceroy or whatever, yeah. yeah. Well, case in point. See, I have a major character called Sir Nolan Brett. Okay. Sir Brett does this. Sir Brett does that. Major character. That's not his name. It's Sir Nolan. So I had to go change every single appearance of that. Because get this, when you're a sir, it's a small club. It's a first name basis. You've got oh. the secret handshake. So you can't call them Sir Brett except in very rare occurrences. Huh. So suddenly in my thinking when I'm writing all these books, every character is different now. Anyway, 
but I got through it. It was a great experience. I'm just, I'm just rooting for this book. It's going to be so exciting. A good science fiction epic that everybody can get behind. There's a character for everybody. Anyway. I, All right. Just well, that just changes everything because I always thought Lancelot was his last name. So, no, it's his first name. It's got to be his first name. Yeah. No other way. Or they had no other name at the time. Okay. You know. Fair enough. Yeah, King Arthur, see? You know, yeah. King Isabel. Yeah. <laughs> Which one do you want to go for? Yeah, yeah. let's call him So, they, you, you, you have the title and you go by first name. Yeah. Last name doesn't, surname doesn't mean anything anymore. You shouldn't even have one. When you're at a high enough level like the Earl of York, what's yeah. your last name? York. So anyway, um, yeah. I, I didn't know this, but I got, I got, I, I, it wasn't something I cared about yeah. because my idea, my conceit was in the future they would try to remake the feudal society because they yeah. liked it because they're all plutocrats anyway. Um, so it's, it's got a political bent to it. And so they, they went with that. But, of course, they didn't get it right because who remembers, right? Yes. Apparently everyone in England. <laughs> so, everyone in England. Um, I dodged one there. Um, but, anyway. hey, anyone that's listening in England, we still love you. Oh, gosh. You You're guys, amazing. You guys improved my book a hundredfold. I won't lie. Yeah. The book is better. I mean, the book is absolutely better. Again, I'm so fortunate. Yes. Um, my editor, was her name was Imogene. I won't say her last name. But uh, she was she was helpful. And I have Dondara in, uh, at Flame Tree and my guest. Nice. How did I get so lucky, you know? And this could crash and burn, and this could ruin my career. Say, oh, you're the idiot that wrote that bomb, you know? Like Moby Dick, right? Moby Dick was a complete bomb. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, oh, but okay. later on, it's it's gotten yeah. more nor- notoriety. Ruined his career at the time. But at the same time, you know, it was about a giant white whale, and people probably thought, what the heck? This yeah. is dumb. It's like Firefly. You only got one season, right? Yeah, yeah. and now it's like this huge thing. Absolutely. So maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe just, if it does do that, you know, 100 years from now, you're going to be like seen as like Tolkien. I would love that. I would, yeah. I would actually, I would be dead, so I won't know. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, isn't that kind of funny though? Fanex is a good place because you can see art at all different levels, yes. right? And a lot of uh, people who don't read will often say this, and actually, people who read as well will say this. When is it going to be made into a movie? Because this has become the new apex of your writing career yeah. is that you've been optioned for a movie. I mean, yep. I've, I've had a couple of books optioned, but nothing's come of it yet. Uh, what a Mortal Hand. We're hoping for a miniseries on Netflix. If Netflix, if you're listening to this, love Do you it. guys. Um, but on the other hand, it's the whole situation is that's the new thing because you get to reach the most people. However, I still have a soft spot, an absolute adoration of people who read because you are, I'm it, there's a telepathy there, you know, mm-hmm. where you can, you're actually forming the worlds and I, nobody has to tell you that this planet looks like this, you yep. can be there. So, you know, all those who read, and this, there's so many authors, great authors at this, this event. It's just, again, I'm so lucky to be among them. You are. You mentioned Brandon Sanderson. I really don't want to like him, but he's so nice. I know. I know. I just want to have this, this, this resentment, but he's so nice. And Brandon was so nice, <laughs> you know, so... Um, and that's what this creative group is, yes. you know? So anyway, i got, got good people all around. And, nice. And people are coming out and supporting us. Yes, they Support are. local artists, support local artists, authors. It's, it's what it's about. Yes. So anyway, it's good to see you. Good to, good to see yeah. the Dungeon Crawl. This yes. Back. So, folks, pick up the Tony Flannery series. It's awesome. If you love a good mystery, that's the best book to get. I'm excited for the, you know, uh, of Kings, Queens, and Colonies, which is coming up soon. Sounds like an amazing space oh. opera adventure, uh, I, which uh, I love. Thank you. I, so, hope, I hope you dig it. If you don't, don't tell anyone. Just kind of keep it to yourself. I'll keep, keep it on the it down low. Myself. Yeah. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> but more than likely, I'm going to love it. <laughs> so 
Uh, where can the listeners find you? I'm at johnnyworthen.com. And every single page there has a, a link to my email. I'm pretty good about answering my email. I mean, writers are kind of lonely people sitting in dark rooms talking to imaginary friends. Yes. So anytime we get any feedback or contact, we're usually pretty happy about it. Um, they're on my website. I also have an events page where you can see all the different um, panel of all the different panels I'm on at, at FanX right now, uh, which should probably be over by this time. But also the classes I teach at the university, lifelong learning. They're basically they're not graded classes, but I try to share what I know and get people creative on nice. that. And I do other conferences. I'm going to Idaho in a couple of weeks. All very cool. Nice. Okay, folks, go support Johnny's uh, adventures in writing because it's well worth it, and the stories are amazing. So Very cool. With that said, we'll catch you next time. Thank you very much. Remember, the force will be with you always.